You're listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Church Pullman, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. So uh, we've been in this series, Journey to God, and uh, we've talked about repentance. Last week we talked about providence, the, um, the idea that we are under the, um, the care and concern of God, that the protective care of God, and that when we think about uh, the troubles that come up in our lives and the problems that happen our, in our lives, where do we look for help? Where do we turn to? Um, who do we look to for help? Do we go to the hills? Do we look to the worldly solutions available, all the things that kind of cry out to say, hey, we'll solve your problem for you, or do we go to the Lord? And so we sort of unpacked that one last week, and if you missed it, um, I would encourage you to jump online and uh, watch it there. Um, And then today, we're going to be jumping into uh, the next stop on our journey, Psalm 122. And in this psalm, we're going to be talking about something this guy knows a little bit about, which is why I brought in a ringer, uh, is uh, we're talking about worship. And there's more to that... uh, the worship and you know in this psalm, but we're going to really zero in and focus on worship. And so, just um, before we dive in, I almost forgot something really important. Um, it, it was not part of my regular repertoire, but it's a it's a curveball that I need to throw out there for everybody before we jump into the rest of the message. Um, I, I'm about to do something awesome and annoying. You ready? I'm just setting you up. Um, I'm about to share that there is something amazing going on for our church um, and then not tell you about it. (laughs) Right? Right? Um, So for those of you that wait for your Christmas presents, this is not going to be a problem. But for those of you that peak and uh, always are like Christmas early, this is going to be rough. Um, but here's what I need. I, we're at a point in some cool things going on behind the scenes for our church where uh, I, I can't say more than this right now except that I really covet your prayers. For all of us on the staff and all of us as elders, this is something that we've been covering in prayer and we are uh, just asking uh, that you all would join us in praying for uh, just things to go according to plan. Um, There are uh, a lot of uh, moving parts and pieces to the news that will come soon, Lord willing, and we just want to bathe it in prayer and ask for God to work out all kinds of details. I would just ask that you would be praying for our staff and our elders and giving us um, just real clarity from the Lord as we're all seeking the Lord um, on this stuff, all right? I know that's rotten, but uh, I don't want to not ask you to pray, and so please, please, please be praying. Uh, It is super exciting what God is up to, and I can't wait to share it with you. So, uh, Now we can jump into Psalm 122 stuff. Uh, So the thing is, we're going to be talking about worship this morning, and worship is something that is a big deal to Christians. And the the thing is, if you look at the world that we live in, the media and movies and social media stuff and kind of the, the what you hear through the grapevine, you might get the wrong impression that uh, attending church and worshiping together as believers is sort of on the decline. You might get the idea that it's not really that popular anymore, that church attendance is something that uh, is uh, going out of fashion. People used to do it. But I need to give us a little reality check. 
before we jump into talking about what worship is. Um, and in order to do that, I got to get you guys a, a, some a reference, some workable, like tangible thing to understand what I'm talking about. So to help you understand and get a grasp for um, kind of what worship is doing in America, here's what you need to know. 17 of the 20 biggest spectator events in the United States, this is uh, pre-COVID stuff, uh, 17 of the 20 biggest spectator events were NASCAR races, right? We do not live in NASCAR country because they don't work good in the snow, um, although it would be fun, right? Um, so, uh, and those NASCAR races, the big ones, they're averaging like 67,000 people in attendance. That's a whole lot of people doing this, right? <laughs> I, I never did quite understand watching a NASCAR race. Um, and I love fast cars, but I don't know. Anyway, so, that, so that's a lot of people going to something. Uh, how about uh, probably a little more popular in our area, uh, NFR, National Finals Rodeo. Anybody ever been to Vegas for the NFR? Not in Pullman. That went over really well in Colfax Thursday night. Um, okay, it's where there are people that ride horses with ropes and they do horsey stuff. My sister would be so mad at me. Uh, she's a horse lady. Uh, and so NFR in 2018 set records with like 170,000 people attending this week-long event. That's a lot of people going to watch horsey stuff, right? Um, I can say that in here because I can tell nobody cares. <laughs> we are not a rodeo crowd today. All right. So, but... So those are some big numbers of people going to stuff, but nobody, nothing holds a candle to uh, attending spectator sports compared to the NFL. In uh, 2018-2019, the NFL was averaging right at 2 million people a Sunday in attendance at an NFL game in person. 2 million people to go watch a football game. We're not talking TV, we're talking in a seat, right? That's pretty crazy. Now, football season's however many weeks long, right? Now we're, let's switch gears and talk church. In 2018, 2019, uh, here's, here's what you need to know about Christianity in America and people that were getting out of their house and going to sit in a church to worship God, to be with other believers, not sometimes, not once every three weeks, not once every four weeks. Every week in 2018 and 2019, there was something like 82 million 82 million people all year long going to worship God. And, and I think it's easy to get sucked into some of the hype and the media and the rumor mill that would like you to believe that it's just not that popular and that's just not true. There are, there's hardly anything in our country more popular and the, the thing that's really cool about it is it's something that is voluntary. Like, like people aren't forced to go to worship, minus a couple teenagers, right, that have been drugged against their will. Um, we love you and we bought you donuts. And so, we, right? right? So at least we got that for you. So, so it's voluntary and it's something that people uh, love to come and do. And there's all sorts of reasons why people uh, don't worship, right? What really concerns me more so is why do people come to worship? Like why is there 82 million people every weekend? 
Why is there so many people that come to worship every weekend? And, and some of the things that are popular, like some of the most common reasons people give that they come to, to church and to worship is that they want to be closer to God. They want to draw near to the Lord, and there's something special about being together in community, in learning and growing and worshiping together that you don't experience uh, one-on-one by yourself, right? They also say that they want to come because they want to learn and grow, like they want to be fed and challenged and taught, and so they come to be in community and do that together with other people. Um, They also say that they come for fellowship and friendship, right? Like just the good old-fashioned rubbing shoulders, seeing your neighbors, seeing your friends, being encouraged that those days where you felt like maybe you were not up to it and you came here and you saw there was a bunch of other people that were up to it. And it was like, yeah, I'm glad I came, right? This is what I needed. This was that boost for me. And so worship is really uh, a big deal. And coming together to worship is really a big deal, which is why in the beginning of this psalm, when he talks about the idea that they said, hey, let's get together and go worship, let's go to church, essentially is kind of the, the call to action. The very first line of this psalm is like, I was glad when they said, let's go to church. It's good to have some reference that like, you might think that that, that might not be a popular statement, but you kind of have a little bit of a, a reference now to understand that it actually is a really popular statement. I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord and let's worship. And so I want to just um, take a look at a few things. And there's, there's going to be a few things that pop out to us in this psalm, and we're going to kind of unpack them a little bit this morning. But there's uh, three things that I kind of want to just share with you that we're going to uh, zero in on this morning. Worship gives us a workable structure for life, all right? And so we'll get to that one here in a second. And then worship nurtures our need to be in relationship with God. And then worship centers our attention on God and his plans. And so I want to just take a look at the beginning of Psalm 122, and then we'll roll into it from here. All right, so Psalm 122, verses 1 through 4 says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Let us, uh, and now we are there, standing inside your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a well-built city. Its seamless walls cannot be breached. All the tribes of Israel, the Lord's people, make their pilgrimage here. They come to give thanks to the name of the Lord as the law requires of Israel. You see, there's, there's something special about going to Jerusalem. Like we've been talking about this series, Journey to God. It's all these uh, of God's people making these pilgrimages multiple times a year to Jerusalem. There, there's something unique and amazing and special about being uh, on, on your way to Jerusalem and, and going there of all places to worship. And uh, having been there uh, and getting to walk around and see, particularly in the old city, like it is fit together. Everything has a purpose. Every wall has like four purposes. Every rock has a place. Every storefront is perfect. Like it it is a tight, compact place. We've got some different pictures we'll show you up here just to help you have kind of some imagery in mind. Everything has a spot and a place. Go ahead and scroll through a couple of those and then we'll land. I mean, look at that right there. I mean, you're talking, that's not even in, that's opposite side of uh, the old city of Jerusalem. Everything is tight. Everything fits. Let's camp there for a second. Uh, it's, it's really awesome to be up on the Temple Mount, which is, this is the part of the base of the Temple Mount. And you get to see the structure and how perfectly everything fits. That rock that we're looking at right there is something like three feet by four feet by 22 feet long, weighing in the neighborhood of 220 to 250 tons. On the original wall, it would have been about 15 feet high. Uh, 
And it's, it, what you've got to understand is everything in Jerusalem, everything on the Temple Mount was cut and quarried and milled off-site, finished off-site, right down to the, to the chamfer and the details around the outside finishing of the stones, and then they were set in place. And there's this huge variety of sizes of stones and weights and textures, and they're all finished and fit perfectly to the point that here we are thousands of years later, you can hardly find a spot you could put a playing card in a joint, right? It's just amazing how perfect it all fits. And Jerusalem is this really neat metaphor for the church. Everything comes together. Everything has a fit. Everything has a purpose. Uh, the Psalm says that all the tribes of Jerusalem, um, or all the tribes of God come to Jerusalem to worship. And, and like us, right? Like our church, we've got this awesome, amazing diversity. We are blessed to live in this cool place where we have this, the luxury of small town living with all of the awesome uh, diversity that comes through WSU and SEL and some of the other industry in the area. And so we have people from not just different different states, different places on the continent. We have people from all around the world that we get to fellowship with and build community with, and we have huge diversity. And, and yet when we come together as a church, there's this amazing unity that happens, that we're, we're gathered together for the same reason, for the same purpose at the same time to, to worship God. It's like, it's like this picture of Jerusalem, like all of God's people just sort of come together and they fit like the stones in the Temple Mount. Worship sort of helps provide structure for us. Like when things are rough and things are not working right and your life sometimes feels like nothing's fitting right and some of the parts of your life that used to be working out are stressing you out and other parts are just falling apart. There's something that, that just draws you to be in a place where you fit, where, where God's people come together and, and the, the stuff that's not working outside of these walls all of a sudden falls away for a minute and you know where you belong. Worship is a pretty amazing thing that God's people do. And so um, I want to just read uh, the whole psalm for us, and then uh, we're going to kind of unpack some more of the stuff with uh, Chris this morning. So uh, Psalm 122, the whole thing, and I'm reading it out of the New Living Translation this morning. He says, uh, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And now here we are, standing inside your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a well-built city. Its seamless walls cannot be breached. All the tribes of Israel, the Lord's people, make their pilgrimage here. They come to give thanks to the name of the Lord as the law requires of Israel. Here stand the thrones where judgment is given, the thrones of the dynasty of David. Pray for peace in Jerusalem. May all who love this city prosper. O Jerusalem, may there be peace within your walls and prosperity in your palaces. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, may you have peace. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek what is best for you, O Jerusalem. And so it's this psalm that draws out this desire for peace and it, it comes as God's people gather together in the house of the Lord for worship. And so Chris is going to help us kind of unpack a little bit more about what worship really is. Cool. Am I on here? I think I'm on. All right. Well, good morning. I am glad I can be up here teaching with you all. They finally let me out from behind the guitar. So that who knows what I'm going to say. So it's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time. So um, I do want to say before I get going that I am so blessed and we're blessed as a church. We have an awesome worship team, like just a great team. 
And yeah, let's, let's, let's give him a hand. Like, I am just, seriously, the fact that I can even get up here and I can teach and I don't have to be up here every week, you know, like, that's just a blessing. That's a blessing. Um, so yeah, I'm just excited to be talking a little bit about worship and uh, sharing my heart behind worship and what that really means and how I've even kind of come to understand worship as a whole and what that really looks like. Um, so I hope to kind of give a definition and kind of, you know, lay out the, a little bit more of the framework that kind of started in with some of the framework of worship, but I want to lay that out a little bit more and then hopefully get into some, you know, really practical ways, you know, some practical things that we can do and like what worship really looks like on a day-to-day and week-to-week basis. Um, so, you know, worship is a really special thing that God has given us. I just want to say that, like it, it's... It's something a little different than just prayer. It's something a little different than just, you know, singing songs. Like, it includes those things, but it's really a unique practice that God has given us that we can really connect with him on a deeper level. Um, And sometimes, you know, it can go further than just praying can get you in your time with God. Um, And it really helps us to understand who God is, too. That's another big thing of, like, understanding the character of God and why he is worthy of worship. And, you know, something Thad talked about last week when I was uh, listening through the sermon is he talked a lot about trust and what it looks like to put your trust in God and place your trust in the Lord. And I, you know, when he asked me to, you know, team teach with him, I was like, okay, this is like, logically, it really makes sense because, you know, for me, it's like, it's really hard to worship a God you can't trust, right? Like, It'd be, it'd be really hard to worship a God you can't trust if you're kind of like one foot in, one foot out. I don't know. I'm still kind of, I don't know about this God thing. It's tough to really worship. And if you're there, that's okay. That's okay. But, you know, it makes me think of, you know, there's so many times in life where, you know, trust is such a big thing. And I think anybody who's married probably knows trust is a huge thing, right, in your life. But I'm going to brag on my wife a little bit today. So, because I can, because he gave me a microphone. But, um, yeah, so Mariah uh, makes me think of a time when back in Tennessee, she worked for a cleaning company. And um, she was in way better shape than I've ever been in when working for this cleaning company. And, um, you know, just a hardworking job. She's really good at it. She was promoted to like a training manager quick, I think in like three months. And the first person before her that was promoted was like a year in. So like, yeah, there's my bragging. Like, she's awesome. She did a great job with it. She's a hard worker. Um, Yeah, it was just a good job for her. But something ended up starting to happen in her work that was not so good. And has anybody ever had bad work things happen? <laughs> I, I, probably everybody, okay? So you'll kind of get where I'm coming from with this and the, sharing the story. But, you know, something that started happening with her is her, and it was a small company, and she could call her boss and stuff, but her checks started bouncing. And so I think like any reasonable person, you'd be calling your boss going, hey, what's, what's going on? I need to pay my rent you know, this is kind of weird. What's going on? Where are my checks bouncing? And he started going, oh, you know, uh, we're switching banks and this and that and giving her excuses. And she's like, okay, well, that's fine. Whatever. Like, it just can't happen again because I need to get paid. Reasonable, right? It's reasonable. Um, And so it happened like two more times and kept bouncing, kept having issues. And so she ended up just having to say, look, I like working here. It's a good job. I just can't trust that I'm going to get paid. And I think that's perfectly fair, right? Like, And so she gave her two weeks, did everything. And he tried really hard. Hey, I'll give you a raise. I want to keep you. Like he tried everything, but she just got to a point where it was like that trust was broken, you know, and she couldn't totally trust him to get paid. Um, 
And, you know, I really think that that correlates with our relationship with God. It correlates with a lot of things. You know, trust is huge to really having that deep connection with God where we can feel like fully free to worship him. And, you know, when we can get to that point um, where we can fully trust God and worship him, you know, it's really faith building. You know, the more you're trusting God, the more you're walking with God every day, every week, every year, it becomes something that you can really just cling on to your trust and your faith in God that, you know, maybe you're not feeling like worshiping or something, but you can still trust him and do that. So as we keep, you know, going deeper into what worship really is and what that looks like, um, you know, it's really easy to kind of just think of worship as, oh, I just sing a couple songs on Sunday or something like that. Or, you know, a lot of people, you know, I've heard people say like, oh, you know, for, you know, non-Christians, for Christians, like, is that like kumbaya worship around the campfire type of deal? Like, oh, maybe, you know, like that, that could be part of it, but there's so much more to worship than just singing or just um, doing things like that together. So I want to read a quick definition. I think it'll be up on the screen of worship to kind of outline um, just a quick definition of what worship is and kind of dive a little bit deeper into that. So worship is an everyday act of praising God and glorifying him, expressed oftentimes in music, singing, art, prayer, for the purpose of glorifying God and lifting our faith. So there's kind of this thing of like, you know, it's an act that we do, and it's also, you know, something that God does in us, right? And it, we can use all these different creative gifts to really get there and really connect with God in that way. Um, and part of what's kind of helped me really understand worship better and really kind of dig into like, what does this definition really mean? Like when I say it's deeper than just singing, it's deeper than just praying and doing these things. Um, John Stott has a, a couple really cool things that help help me kind of make my framework around worship, and hopefully it kind of helps you set your framework as well. So this first one I'm going to read, he says, true worship is based on a right understanding of God's nature, and it is a right valuing of God's worth. So it's a big part of understanding the nature of God and that he is worthy of our praise, okay? So the next quote, one more quote from John Stott that's really, really good is, in fact, the English word worship comes from worth-ship. That is, worship is showing, displaying the worth of God. And I really love that quote. That's a good quote, right? Because it's kind of like honing in on the worth of God. Like, why is he worthy of our worship? And, you know, we know because of what Jesus has done on the cross, like, God is really, really worthy of our worship. He sent his son to pay our debt. And so it's like we know, okay, like the worth of God is there and the who God is, the nature of God is there. And so he kind of continues to break worship down into two categories, which I think is really helpful. And these two categories are the inner worship of the heart and the outward worship of the lips. Okay, so we have this deep inner thing that's like, you know, our praise to God in the inmost being of ourselves, whether we're singing, whether we're praying, whether we're, you know, creating art, you know, whatever we're doing that's worshipful, we have this inner thing that kind of like cries out, I need to worship God. Like, God, you are good. God, you are worthy. And then we have the outward actually showing it, uh, which can be, you know, it can be a lot of different things. It can be raising your hands. It can be obviously just singing out loud. It can be, I think even, you know, encouraging people, like just worshipful things that, you know, are praising to God and lifting others up. So to kind of help understand this framework um, mindset of the two, two things of worship, the inner and then the outward, 
Uh, I'm going to read Matthew 15, 8 through 9. And this is where Jesus is referring back to an Isaiah prophecy about the Pharisees. And, um, you know, I think we've talked a good amount about the Pharisees in the past. And I think most people probably know, you know, Jesus described them as whitewashed tombs. So they had a lot of good stuff on the outside. You know, they would make their face, you know, disfigure their face and when they're fasting and, you know, look like the most holy people, but they didn't have the inner peace. They didn't have the inner worship of God. So I'm going to read this here. Matthew 15, 8 through 9 says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. So, you know, we can kind of see that Jesus even, you know, confirms this inner and outward that, you know, just, again, this kind of helps our understanding of what worship really is, what it looks like, how we can, um, you know, come to that inner place and also have that outward place. So I want to look back also at Psalm 122, Thad read the whole thing, um, but I want to hone in on kind of the middle section there. Um, I don't know what verses it is actually, but I think it's up on screen, so I think we'll be good. Four, Okay. So the city which the tribes ascend, all God's tribes go up to worship, to give thanks to the name of God. This is what it means to be Israel. And so I think, you know, kind of honing in on that last line, that tells us a lot. And what Thad was saying before, like when you see like Jerusalem and Israel and like a lot of these um, Psalms talking about um, these two things, it's like, we, we are the new Jerusalem. We are the new Israel. It's like, we are God's people. So, you know, we can kind of take that and, you know, it's really easy to kind of look back and say, well, that was an ancient culture and how does that apply kind of thing? But no, like we are the church nowadays, you know, we are what, uh, the psalmist is referring to there. So that's pretty cool to even just take that on a modern day level and say like, okay, we are the church. We are the new Jerusalem, the new Israel. Like, that's pretty cool. We can apply that. So I think, you know, with this definition in mind and all these things I'm saying, I think most people would probably say, okay, like I get that, the inner and the outward, and that kind of all makes sense. But, you know, I've heard a lot of times and I've felt it a lot of times that it's one of those things that I don't always feel like worshiping. Anybody relate to that? Okay, good. That was good. So, you know, I'm not a morning person too. Thad knows. You know I'm not a morning person. So... To be clear, anything before 2 p.m. Yeah, that's not good for me. morning. That's not good. Right? I, don't, I don't, yeah, coffee keeps me going and, and the Lord, yes. But um, yeah, Corbin's also not a morning person. So we're kind of the late rollers on staff and the handsome one, if anybody doesn't right. remember. Yeah, okay. So anyway, if you're not a morning person like me, that's okay, okay? And so for me, it's really hard to wake up in the morning every day and really make an effort because I'm kind of just groggy and waking up and it's not my best time of the day. Um, but that's okay. You know, it doesn't have to necessarily be in the morning, although it's good to have a set time every day to worship. And whether that's, you know, even reading scripture, listening to worship music, whatever that kind of looks like for you. Um, and, you know, something that is really important to understand with that is it's not dishonest to fake worship, you know, and it's not faking. A lot of times, you know, if you're just saying, look, worship is an important thing that I need to do, you know, but maybe I don't feel like it, I'm going to try to still do it, okay, especially corporately as a body, you know, and I don't think that's a faking it thing. That's not a fake thing if you have it in the inner heart, 
if that kind of makes sense. So if you look at the Pharisees, you know, they had all the outward stuff. They didn't have any of the inward stuff. We need to kind of flip, we need to flip that around and say, we have the inward peace. We have the inward heart of worship. Maybe I'm not feeling on the outside, but I'm going to do the best I can because, you know, it's a really important part of coming together. Does that kind of make sense to everybody? Okay, awesome. And something that um, this book we've been going through, what's the book called again? Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Yep, that's it, Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And from what I've read, it's a really good book, really helpful on a lot of these things. Uh, one of the kind of quick snippets that really stuck out to me that the author said is, worship is not a feeling. Okay, and I want to be clear about this. Worship can and should bring about feelings for God. It should, as we've been talking about, it should bring about feelings for, wow, God, you are really worthy you are really good. You are really holy. Like all those feelings should come from that. But in and of itself, it's not a feeling. And another things, thing he says that's really good is feelings are great liars. Feelings are great liars. And, you know, it, it's hard in our culture today a lot of the times to really get that because we're told in a lot of ways, if you don't feel like something, don't do it. You know, if you don't feel, oh, if you're having a bad day at work, quit your job. If you don't feel like it's a good job, just go on to the next thing, right? Like you don't want to be in that relationship, just end it. Go find somebody you're happier with. Like we're in a very instant gratification culture that's kind of like on to the next thing. And, you know, feelings are driving us a lot. They're driving us a lot. So I don't want to fall into the trap of thinking that, oh, worship is just a feeling and it's just some ethereal thing between me and God that maybe I'll feel like it, maybe I won't know. It's something that starts from the inner peace, the inner side of you that is reflected outward. So, you know, this is an essential part of understanding worship when we kind of wrap our minds around what this really looks like. And in the same book, there's a couple super good quotes that help kind of emphasize these points. I'm going to read one here for you and kind of really think about this as I'm reading it, because it is a super good quote to help us wrap our minds around this. But the wisdom of God says something different, that we can act ourselves into a new way of feeling much quicker than we can feel ourselves into a new way of acting. Worship is an act that develops feelings for God, not a feeling for God that is expressed in an act of worship. When we obey the command to praise God in worship, our deep essential need to be in relationship with God is nurtured. That's a good quote. That's a really good quote. That helped me a lot, just think through a lot of this. And, you know, the sentiment there, again, it really kind of flips, you know, how we view worship on its head. And I don't think also the act in there, it's not like, it. oh, I'm going to like act this out, you know? It's like taking action. It's doing an act for God, not being fake, Right? So one thing I really like about this quote too, and as we're diving in, is it starts with an objective point. Worship is an act based on who God is and our trust that we have in him. Remember we talk about the trust is huge, right? And then it moves to the subjective point. And the subjective point is still really important, but you know, feelings can come and go, okay? And again, like the morning thing, I don't wake up every, some mornings I do wake up and I'm, I'm ready to dive in with God, but that's not an everyday thing. So it's kind of one of those things that, you know, we need to take that action. We need to take that step to really cling into God and move closer to God through worship. And so with a lot of these things, you know, we can kind of think like, you know, okay, it's important. We need to do it. But, you know, why do it? You know, I mean, it, it, to a lot of people, it's really odd to come together and sing songs and pray. And like, you know, if you're not used to that, it's really odd. 
Um, so there's one more quote I want to read from this book that helps kind of bring a lot of this stuff in too, of like really the why worship. And so this quote is, every time we worship, our minds are informed, our memories refreshed with the judgments of God. We are familiarized with what God says, what he has decided, the ways he is working out our salvation. So, you know, when we come together for worship, it really is a special thing that we get to do together. Like it really is a privilege. You know, a lot of places in the world, they don't even get that, right? So the fact that we can even gather and we can do this together and really be able to, you know, just learn more about God and that too, familiarize ourselves with God. That's a big part of our walk is just in the trust factor too, is familiarizing ourselves with who God is and what, what, what he's all about. And, you know, in real life, we talk a lot about, you know, we have a good God, right? We have a good God. And I love that we talk about that here. Um, and again, this goes back to the feeling. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't always feel like that. Okay, sometimes in life we go through hard things. We go through things where, you know, where you may say, how could a good God let this happen? You know, and that's okay. Those are real thoughts. But to know that we really do have a good God. And the more we familiarize ourselves with, you know, in worship and learning more about God and trusting God, when those feelings and those things come, that's okay. We can say, okay, I know that's a feeling, but I know it's not true. I know that God is still good. God is still in control. He still loves me. So a, a couple of cool things about worship is, you know, for me, it really helps kind of, you know, come and get ready for the week ahead too. You know, sometimes, and I think Daisy mentioned it, you know, by midweek, it can be a little bit, uh, you know, kind of getting in the monotony of life. But, you know, Sunday is like, a, specifically Sunday right now I'm talking about, is like a great way that we can come together. We can really get energized. We can get refreshed because of worship. We can get ready for the week, you know, ready for the week worshiping God. Another big thing is, you know, worship really gives us peace. You know, when we put our faith in Jesus and we say, Lord, I do trust you and we're walking this out, we get a peace that is like no other peace in the world. You know, it's a very different peace than making a million dollars a year and feeling like you have no worries in that way. Okay, it's not that kind of peace, but it's a peace that transcends all money, peace that transcends all understanding of anything like that. And, you know, worship kind of helps bring that peace out. You know, I, I, there's tons of times where I'm out here worshiping or up here worshiping where I just have so much peace because I'm like, you know what? Life is hard right now, but I'm worshiping God and I have just this inner deep peace. Anybody feel that? That's good. That's good. So that it really helps bring out that inner peace. So I'm going to read um, just to kind of help understand, you know, we look at this really differently too. If we are following Jesus, 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, the person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because, because they are discerned only through the spirit. So again, you know, we really have a special piece here. And that verse just kind of helps emphasize that like, you know, this is not something most people have. It's not something that most people get to be a part of. So to know that God is walking with us through life and that we have this peace that we can carry with us and we can use Sundays as like, you know, um, just something to launch our week off and get ready and be peaceful going out in the week and talking to our coworkers, talking to our family, whoever we communicate with every week, we can have that peace carrying with us that worship can help bring that out. So I just want to encourage everybody. I really want us to also, you know, let's, 
make times to worship every day and make times to come or make the time to come here every week and worship. Again, corporate worship together is a special thing like we've been talking about, but every day is also, you know, really, really important. And, you know, the question I think can be, okay, well, what can I do really that's worshipful? Do I just pray? Do I just sing? There's all kinds of things you can do. A couple examples that um, happened yesterday. So my wife had a baby shower yesterday and it was awesome. And I know nothing about any of that stuff at all. I'm a dude. I'm like, cool. They bring you free stuff. There's no showers involved, but yeah. So, you know, she comes home with this whole trunk full of stuff and I'm like, wow, I like these baby showers. Like, cause I'm kind of frugal. So I don't like spending money. Dad knows, but just a little bit. Um, but anyway, so, you know, we had a couple ladies in the church that, um, one lady, I'm going to say Jolene, it's Jolene, she made a beautiful quilt for Mariah, okay? And it, this thing is like awesome. Sorry to call you out, Jolene, but, and, and, but that just made me think like the way she made that and is using her God-given gifts, like that's worshipful. Like she's using things that God's given her to bless people. And again, you know, corporately together as a church family, that's part of worship, you know, and that's pleasing to God because she's saying, I'm going to use this and honor God and honor people, right? And another lady drew a couple really cool sketch paintings. We had a few people just draw us some really cool stuff. And it just, it just like melted my heart a little bit. You know, I'm like, that's just like, that is so cool. And it's people using the art, the God-given ability in nurturing that and using it for God. So I just want to encourage everybody, like, you know, find find your places of worship, the things you do, and use them to glorify God. Use them as something that can really bless other people and make God's, you know, it really makes God smile when people do things like that. So that's kind of what I wanted to share with everybody this morning. Thank you for keeping up and listening, and hopefully you learned a little bit more about worship. I learned a lot more about worship just even going through this, and, you know, the biggest takeaway for me is, again, that deep inner thing, that deep inner peace that we can get and then take with us and move to the outward actions. So I want to go ahead and switch gears and move into our time of communion. So if you have your cups here, or if you have an actual, some people I think got actual communion cups today, which is pretty cool. We didn't get those. We got the, yeah, apocalypse proof deal, but it's fine. So and if you are um, new with us at Real Life, thank you for being here. That's awesome. Uh, we take communion every week. It's an essential part of who we are, remembering what Jesus has done on the cross. Um, if you say, hey, I believe in Jesus, and you know, you're welcome to take it with us. You don't have to be a member or anything like that of our church. So we invite you to take it with us. Um, and why we do this is it's a really, really great symbolic remembrance of what Jesus has done on the cross. So on the night Jesus was betrayed, he was with his disciples and he took the body and he's sitting there with them and he took the bread and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. So take this in remembrance of me. So let's go ahead and take that together. And he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. And that's a really, you know, that part always sticks out to me. I think um, it's in Luke and 1 Corinthians as well here, but where he talks about the new covenant in my blood. And that's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother day of kind of what that new covenant looks like. But we have this new thing that Jesus has said, I want you to be a part of, and you get to be a part of. So let's go ahead and take this cup in remembrance of him.
So I'm going to go and pray for us. And uh, before we head out today, we are going to have a worship song. We're going to sing Great Are You, Lord, one more time together. It seems really fitting to have one more worship song on a day that we talk about worship, right? So let me go ahead and pray, and we're going to sing and praise God together. Lord, you're good. God, I thank you. We can, we do get the privilege to come together. We can worship you as a church body, Lord. God, I just pray that we can take these things. We can understand that we're working toward, you know, really developing that inward heart of worship that leads to the exterior things. God, I pray you just help us to continue to do that, God. Lord, I just thank you for who you are, that you are worthy of our praise, that your worth goes beyond anything we can understand, God, and that we know that you are worthy of our praise. So God, we are here for you. We just pray that your Holy Spirit would just totally fill us up. Show us more about who you are every day, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us at rlcpullman.com and by connecting with us on Facebook. Until next time, have a great week.